www.sportsradio.co.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's summer, but it's not over for rugby. And uh, the brand new, just released rugby news is on the shelves today, I believe. In fact, to tell me if that is the case, I don't want to pre-sell it. Uh, Campbell Burns, he is the editor of Rugby News. He joins us now. Campbell, uh, do we see a magnificent cover on the shelves today? We certainly do, Steph. We certainly do. Uh, it's out today, our December-January issue, so that'll be on sale uh, probably for the next six weeks or so um, until our uh, Super Rugby special. But we've got it out, and we've got Ruby Tui, uh, who's, who is uh, very much uh, resplendent on the cover today. That is magnificent, and I understand the first time a woman's adorned the cover of the Rugby News, Campbell. You've been around rugby as long as me. Um, it's more than just a photo on a cover of a magazine, isn't it? Certainly is, yeah. Look, I, I think uh, a few years ago when the Black Ferns won the 2006 World Cup, we actually featured the whole team on the on the cover. It was a bit of a celebration shot. And then, uh, of course, we had our Rugby World Cup guide, uh, which was out um, in September, October, which uh, was obviously, well, that was the first standalone woman's rugby mag ever published in New Zealand. So now we've gone uh, again with uh, with um, a, a Black Fern on the cover, Ruby Tui, um, it looks as though that's from the final that shot, um, and she's showing all her the emotion that we know she has, and she bought and won over one over so many people, uh, particularly during those last couple of weeks of the World Cup. I think she, she had the she had the crowd at Eden Park just about on the in, in the palm of her of her hand. So I think it was appropriate that we uh, went with Ruby then, and we have an exclusive interview with her, and she was. Uh, she was very good value, um, as you can imagine. Yeah, um, just just with her on the cover and this Women's Rugby World Cup this year, having been around rugby for so long as you have so many different angles that, um, like as a rugby writer, you have to find different angles all the time in a game. That doesn't change too much, but this provided you with so much new perspective, I'd imagine, as a rugby writer, the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah, look, uh, 100%. I mean... Um, although when we're not in the, in the 24 hour um, news cycle like most of the rugby media so we we came out uh, well we had our November issue was out just before the final and then we've obviously come out um, for the December issue several weeks later so we've well, we've been able to write with a bit of perspective on it I guess um, very good piece there from Adam Julian who, who followed is one of our writers who uh, followed the black friends around um, during the the World Cup and he he uh, gave a very colorful color piece. Uh, which was great, but I also I was along. I went along to the uh, semi-final uh, against France, and that was one of the one of the great days out in rugby media that that I've enjoyed. Um, wasn't just the the fact that the match was so dramatic, but just the whole atmosphere and everything else surrounding it. It was, um, you know, it was just uh, it was great to see. And then to top it off with the with the Black Ferns winning, um, and what was pretty much close to a rugby miracle that Wayne Smith and his team managed to engineer. That was just. Uh, Tremendous and really, really topped it off. But I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have given them um, any money to uh, prior to the tournament as far as getting a crowd of forty-three thousand nearly for the final, which was uh, the second time they'd broken the world record during that tournament. That was, that was just uh, incredible stuff. How much of that support and um, not tribalism, but just the absolute support from all of New Zealand? Do you attribute to? the Black Ferns' ability to not change their personality, share their personality, share their story in such a fresh and honest way? Uh, yes, certainly partially. Um, 
you could argue that the black ferns have been been themselves for 24 years and they've been tremendously successful except in 2021 um, but because they haven't had the the scope or the range of media that they have now uh, it helped having 11 home games which was unprecedented uh, in, in the season and it helped having the final two games live on free to air I mean you had had 20 percent of the country watching this which was which was just extraordinary stuff um, but you know having 11 home games uh, getting in front of their home people which they hadn't done for three years. Uh, 11 home games is three or four more than the All Blacks would even play in a year. So that was really important to have that. And then the groundswell of support that builds, um, and, and, and I guess the way they, they played and conducted themselves off the field, and then culminating in those last two sort of joyous weeks that we saw. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen anything like that in, in New Zealand rugby, but also it is amazing when you put some rugby on free to air and it draws in new fans, you have people like Ruby Tui, uh, he's got an amazing backstory. Um, and just, just I guess, uh, from what we heard and saw in the media um, with, with the girls and what they, were, what they were feeling, what they were saying, it was authentic, it was genuine. And uh, yeah, it was great that they won over so many new fans and, and some old ones. What are the main lessons and main takeouts you would hope that New Zealand rugby and more particularly the All Blacks could take out of not on field but maybe off field performance by the Black Ferns. Yeah, well, I think um, yeah, the, the All Blacks to a certain extent try and relate to their fans, um, and they often do that through social media as much as anything. But I think they've got to uh, have a look at themselves, the All Blacks, and say that not all media are, are, are the actual enemy. Um, I think you know some. There are some good and bad media, but they've got to approach it um, with sort of a fresh, a fresh look. I think um, the All Blacks. Um, it helps if you're winning for sure, um, but yeah, they they do have to be more themselves, uh, like the Black Ferns have been, than than we have seen in, in recent years. And whether that's just been coached out of them or coaxed out of them, I'm not too sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's some genuinely good guys um, amongst the All Blacks, but we don't always see that. Um, when they talk because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, whereas, you know, I, I just got the impression that the Black Ferns uh, were just thriving on this on this extra media and this extra attention, but they weren't trying to be anything other than themselves. Anything they changed was the way they played the game, and that was, um, you know, w- without having that bedrock of structure, uh, which they've been successful with for so long, they were able to, to really tweak things there. So that was, um, you know, it was a tribute to what they'd done in, under Wayne Smith. Yes, so you've mentioned Wayne Smith there, and he's probably the only living, breathing character that's been at the very top of both All Blacks and Black Ferns, and I have never seen a more happy, open, um, convivial, almost a jester sometimes, Wayne Smith, at a World Cup. He was absolutely loving life. He was, yeah. I don't know, he had that, he had that strong connection back with the late uh, Laurie O'Reilly, uh, who was a very good uh, mate of his back in the day. So I, I think that was a key driver for him. But clearly he came in under very difficult circumstances um, back in March, April, um, when, the, when the review was happening, when Glenn Moore was stepping down. He, he wasn't keen to step into the head coach role, but um, the way he just he was able to embrace this, and all the while with the Black Ferns trying to embrace full-time professionalism they obviously responded got themselves in the shape of, of their lives and then started to play um, a style of play that um, was high risk and very high reward it wasn't perfect there were mistakes their kicking game wasn't always on point but they played um, they played fearlessly and 
I think I, I think Wayne Smith just drove that, and clearly he made the right call to say we're not going to be playing like England or France. We're not going to have as much structure, and it was it was absolutely the right call. And as it happened, it made they still had a bit of luck, and, and they may not have even won this. Uh, certainly, if Joanna Nungwu hadn't won that last and jumped for that last line out, if the French kicker hadn't bottled it under under pressure in the semi, but I think they they earned some luck. Um, the Black Ferns, and I think you know Wayne would say this has probably been his most enjoyable assignment of his very long and very successful rugby career. Mm, bang on, Bernsey. All right, mate, um, really appreciate you jumping on today. The rugby news, it's in bookshops and supermarkets. Uh, certainly is, mate. Yep. Uh, if you haven't, if you're not already subscribing, it's uh, out today everywhere and uh, on sale for a while. It's only. Uh, and eleven dollars fifty, uh, but we do we, we do have not just uh, women's rugby. There is a, an All Black season review by Phil Gifford. Uh, there's a Where Are They Now on John Sturgeon and Karen Reed pays tribute to uh, one of his old teammates, Luke Romano, who has hung up the boots after a very fine career. So there's all sorts to get your teeth into in, uh, in rugby news. Oh, I can't wait to read the Luke, Luke Romano. Just one of the absolute characters of New Zealand rugby, isn't he? I bet you that's a good read. Have you had a little squeeze? Of course, you have. You're the editor. <laughs> I haven't seen. Yeah, no, that was that was a nice piece there by uh, by Kieran. Um, I think they bonded over lineouts those two. Um, and line of course, I should mention also there's a an exclusive interview with Kendra Coxedge, another one who's hanging up her boots. Uh, real fairy tale finish for for her, but she she was really interesting to have a yarn to. And indeed, she's going to be joining us as a columnist uh, in 2023. That's going to be great. Oh, brilliant! Oh, she's going to have to sit down and get a pen and paper out. That'll be different. <laughs> it certainly will, but she's got so much knowledge. I think she uh, she might be looking at the coaching ranks as well, but she might better contribute to us, and I'm sure she's got some valuable stuff yeah. to pass on. Sure she will. Bernsey, always good to chat, buddy. Thank you so much. Very good, Steph, and you, and you have a Merry Christmas, and also to all your uh, Sims listeners out there too. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, and to you and yours at Rugby News. Wonderful magazine, Rugby News. So go into your bookstores. If you're not subscribed, if you are, it'll probably arrive today. If you're not... Um, supermarkets, dairies, bookshops uh, you wouldn't have to look in too many before you found one and, and the resplendent Ruby Tui will be on the cover and great news there that Kendra Coxedge is going to be a, a columnist um, for them next year which will bring a great perspective as well. We're coming up to new sport and weather, remember 3 o'clock thanks to Oppo uh, Phoenix Nation with Ricardo Ball will be with you from 3 to 4 but in the next half hour we've got Show Me The Money, we've got The Vault we've got The Back In The Day it's all coming up after the news